The Ascent of Board Games is a podcast in which we discuss the history and evolution of board game mechanics, concepts, and themes from the dawn of history to today's newest releases. We talk, we laugh, we pick on each other, and we occasionally get things wrong. But we hope to provide both entertainment and education to today's discerning podcast listener, you. Previously on The Ascent of Board Games. In the past five years or so, there have been a lot of app-enabled and otherwise technologically interesting board games come out, so we wanted to talk about some of those. Chronicles of Crime, David Cicerell, published by Lucky Duck Games. Detective, a modern crime board game by Portal Games. Who are the designers, Joe? <laughs> uh, really? Okay. <laughs> Forgotten Waters. It's a 2020 release from Plaid Hat Games. Descent Legends of the Dark. And now the dramatic conclusion of Batteries Still Included. Let's move on to Destinies, released also in 2021 by Mikhail Globinski and Philip Milunski by Lucky Duck Games. Hey, look at that, another Lucky Duck game. This mm. game was originally titled Time of Legends Destinies. And the reason I even knew about it was because I backed Time of Legends Joan of Arc from Mythic Games. That's been a big debacle that I've complained about on a number of times on this show. Originally, they were going to have cross-support because Destinies uses the same models and some new ones from that Time of Legends system. So these, these are very, very tiny plastic miniatures. The idea was they were going to create unit cards for them that would also be compatible in the, in the Joan of Arc game. Huh. Due to a lawsuit that is not happening anymore, <laughs> and that Joan of Arc game is functionally dead. Mm -hmm. But fortunately for me, since I bought it, the Destiny's game itself is actually a lot of fun. It's an app-based game. Much like Seventh Continent, you have a set of cards that are your map. As you explore the map, your characters will encounter different locations they can interact with. It may be a building inside of a village. It could be an NPC that's one of those little plastic minis sitting on the board. It could be a little point of interest icon. And in the app, you will tell the app where your character is going and what they're interacting with. So I went to the church, I chose to interact with the church, and it will present me with a series of things I can do at the church. I could do things like talk to the priest, or I could choose to do a dexterity challenge and try and steal money from their coffers. I could rest at the church, and the app will keep track of what I've done. It'll tell me what the results of my actions are, and it basically is keeping track of all that. And from what I understand, it's also kind of tracking how much of a jerk you are during the playthrough of the game. It is. Uh, I've yes. been bitten by that. <laughs> <laughs> You've you been Frank? a jerk, Frank. I'm disappointed. <laughs> the game itself is fairly simple. It's up to three players. There's a four-player variant that's really more of a team game, but typically it's three players. Each of the players will choose a character that character will have two destinies. They're basically just two different goals you can work towards. You can work towards both of them. You can pick one to go for. Ultimately, you can only accomplish one of them. And on the back of your card, it will have a QR code that you will use the app to scan, and it will tell you information about it. So, for example, I'm trying to get some clues as to what to do with one of my destinies. I go to the blacksmith, and I can ask him about my destiny. And when I do that, I will scan one of those two QR codes, and if they... Blacksmith knows anything, he will tell me some information that hopefully will guide me in the right direction towards accomplishing that destiny. All of the information in the game, outside of your actual destinies, is public information. So as you're collecting information, everyone else at the table is as well. And the reason that's important is because most of the destinies of the different characters are intertwined or sometimes even cross-purposes to each other. 
So everyone knowing the information makes it so you can take advantage of that. Maybe go collect the silver items before someone else can, or maybe it might give you a clue as to what your destiny is, even if it doesn't help the person who actually asked the question. So hmm. I'm a big fan of the game. It's it's very, very light mechanically. I mean, you're basically rolling two dice plus a modifier. If you have what are called effort dice, you gain for at the beginning of every turn. And you're just trying to get a certain number of successes based off of your stats. You tell the app how many successes you have, and it will tell you if you succeed or not. And the items that you collect also have QR codes. So sometimes you can do things like, I can either batter this door down, or I can scan this QR code on this skeleton key I found and see if that opens it for me. So it gives you a little more capabilities, and I wouldn't say it's really puzzle solving because they're usually pretty obvious, mm. but uh, sometimes you can do things like throw holy items at devils and they disappear. So <laughs> how much of this have you played, Frank? I've played the first two quests. The uh, first is kind of a standalone demo, and then the rest have a theme woven through them, supposedly, but they're definitely standalone. In fact, you don't even play the same character in each. Mm -hmm. It gives you different characters for each of the scenarios, so no progression or campaign, really. But there is a thematic story that winds through them, as well as the couple of expansions have like an Arabian Nights and different kind of theme going for it. Yeah, did you see the latest release uh, announced one? Yeah. The Witchlight, I think it's called? Uh, Destiny's... Yeah. Witchwood. There we go. Witchwood, yeah, you're right. But yeah, it's a great game. It feels kind of Tales of Arabian Nights in that it's about that weight mm -hmm. and one playthrough. Except that, you know, everything's focused to form one story while you're playing. But it definitely feels like I'm going to go there and do that and maybe it'll come out okay. It's also worth noting the app does keep track of and spit out events over the course of the game. So as yeah. things progress... So as an example, that first intro scenario that Frank was talking about, there's a werewolf loose in the town. And as the game progresses, werewolf starts eating some of the other NPCs. So you may not have an opportunity to interact with them if they've been killed by the werewolf. Ugh, hate it when that happens. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, I'm a big fan of it. It does look like they are continuing this one, at least. There is that expansion I mentioned called Witchwood that's coming out. It's just a box image so far that looks like it's Baba Yaga's hut, so I'm definitely down for that. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Lucky Duck has also kind of taken pieces of this system and put it into a game that they put on GameFound, I want to say last year, called Divinus, where it's like a legacy version of this game. So in this one, things aren't carrying over. In Divinus, it looks like that's what they're planning on doing. Divinus looks like more of a tile-laying game with some populist concepts going for it, but yeah. Let's move on to Familiar Tales 2022, this year. Stuff that's just come out. Uh, hey, real quick. Mm -hmm. Who put this one on the list? Me. You get a point. <laughs> <laughs> Man, hadn't even talked about it yet. That's incredible. <laughs> Frank, you, your powers have increased. Frank had on our little behind-the-scenes document the only two things I needed to see for this to be a buy, because I enjoyed <laughs> This designer. Go ahead, Frank. Sorry to interrupt. With your point. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Point already. We'll see if I can get another point later on. This is Jerry Hawthorne and Plaid Hat Games. This is very much in the vein of Mice and Mystics. And basically a bit of Forgotten Waters kind of going there. So basically you play familiars who are raising a child over three acts. The first being the child is an infant, then as a kid. And then as kind of a team, you basically have to be a wizard's familiars who are raising this wizard in training. 
and it plays on a map book with various encounters, and the app is driving the game. What drives this game, though, unlike Mice and Mystics and its dice system that you've seen a few games, is more of a deck builder. Each of the familiars has its own deck, which can slowly grow over time through the campaign. And it uses those cards for actions similar to the dice actions in uh, Mice and Mystics. And that is, you know, the typical move, look at stuff, fight things. One of the cute things about this game is that the enemies don't always go. You gradually build up a danger. And once enough danger is built up from playing cards, then the enemies will suddenly go immediately. Here you have a little more control about when the enemies are going, but it's going to happen. Technically, the app is very like Forgotten Waters. Basically, it's doing all the event cards, all of the narration. It's handling the results of you know an investigation through click buttons on the apps. Unlike some of the other apps, this one is full audio group. Each of the four familiars has their own narrator and voice and very professional voice actor. The voice is amazing, and the writing is so good, possibly even better than Forgotten Waters. Well, that's a good sign, because that was a high bar they set, so I'm glad they're I know, that. and yeah, they're totally keeping their production values there. It's still tailored a little young, but this feels more like a game behind Mice and Mystics because of that deck building aspect, and we love our deck builders. And looking on it, it looks like they've even kept the artistic stylings of Mice and Mystics, which I really like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the same artist is behind it, but yeah, it looks a lot like Mice and Mystics. And that was pretty much it. Like, I saw Jerry Hawthorne, I saw Plaid Hat, I saw the artist from <laughs> Mice and Mystics, and I'm just like, oh, okay, okay cool. So when, when is it Bye. arriving, Mike? Uh... You know, on our next Amazon day, it's fine. <laughs> well, it means I don't need to get it, which is great. It's true. It's going to arrive right along with my doggy gate. But you know, Mike, in return, I'm going to give you a chance to get a point. Just convince me on this next game. I'm close, so you've got a so chance. Before I go on, <laughs> I really like the idea. I'm excited to play with the idea that enemies don't always go, but they build up. The tension of enemies having not gone yet but they're gonna go soon yeah. he's standing right there <laughs> that sounds hit really somebody. fun that yeah. sounds really fun is this the time yes yeah totally my father's work by tc petty the third and renegade game studios is a i think the best way to describe this is a legacy game contained within a single game so all of the fun of a legacy campaign played out in one convenient sitting. This is a game played in three parts. You've got your generations of family that are continuing their family's work to weird science their way into the history books. Maybe you're making a time machine to fix all your past mistakes. Maybe you're creating Frankenstein's monster. Your family has a goal. The app basically will convey the story and dish out the good and bad events as the app sees fit. And the players are playing a mini worker placement game in a town that is either growing or shrinking based on the decisions you make. Yeah, it's really interesting. The worker placement game itself is good. You know, it's solid. You know, you basically have your sort of Igor figure who can't go into town but can do things around the house. And you have servants who can do things, but if they do certain things, they'll see too much and go mad and leave you. It's really thematically built up. The thing I really like about it 
is the way the stories branch. Because basically there are three scenarios in the base game. And I've played through the first scenario, the recommended starter scenario, a couple times. And it's amazing to see how very different it gets. Because, you know, early on, it'll have a question that's like, well, hey, are you spending a lot of time and energy supporting this hospital that is being built in town? And if enough people spend enough points, then in the next game, there will be a hospital space that people can go to. But that also has effects on future events in the storyline, and it branches out in very diverse and unexpected ways, not to give spoilers. Just a minor spoiler on the hospital that you were just talking about. If you don't support the hospital, then suddenly in the next round, it's way easier to get corpses for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. You know? There are just more dead people around. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It happens. The thematics of this game hit on all cylinders. It is an absolute delight. I do agree the worker placement game itself is adequate. It's fine. But it's everything around it that I think really elevates it to that must-play level for me. Yeah, and the components are amazing. They include physical glass. <laughs> yeah, they're these tiny little glass jars that you can fill with colored sand or crystals or whatever. There are animals are one of the resources you can get, and there's like two dozen different animal tokens, and they're all different. All of the coffin tokens are different. It's hideously overproduced, but it's really well put together. It comes with game trays to organize everything, which are great. I do enjoy that the animal tokens looks like somebody just went to like their local hobby store and just bought like bago animals. <laughs> I actually have some insight into that. So at Gen Con, I went over to the booth and one of the people I was there with wanted to purchase the game. And we were talking to one of the people working there. And she said the reason that the animals came about is because they did kind of do what you're talking about, Mike. They had little, like, stand-ins, <laughs> and it was so much fun having different types of animals that when it went to production, the guy's like, no, we have to have different meebles. Like, this is unacceptable. It was too fun otherwise. So that was exactly what happened. That's cute. I like that. Great game. Great game. Yep. Highly recommended. And, you know, the fact that each player, because I think the characters, each player is like siblings of the, the father reference in the title of the game. And you will each have, starting at the beginning of the game, sort of the great work that you're trying to accomplish by the end of the game. And depending on what it is and what happens in the storyline, you may get advantages towards getting your great work done, or it may get a lot harder. I will say that timing in the game is very tight, although when we played our game, we were doing something wrong, which made it tighter than it should have been. But you have three generations each of which consists of three turns. And each turn is, is placing all of your workers, and you start with like three or four workers. So there is not a lot of time to get a lot of stuff done, so you really kind of need to be pushing forward. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, and I highly recommend it. I want to play it some more. Oh, yeah. No, definitely sign me up. Just one quick question, Brian. In all your playthroughs, does it have a back button yet? Uh, I have not found it yet. <laughs> I don't know... That is a problem because there were a couple cases where we pushed a button to try and do something and the iPad misread it or we pushed in the wrong place. And it's like, oh, well, that's just changed everything and we have no way to correct that. Yeah. So I'm hoping that will come soon. Renegade is usually pretty good about updating their stuff. So I'm hoping it will be back enabled soon. I mean, outside of that one thing, I had no other problems with the game. It was super fun. Like I said, very, very tight. Artificially tighter than it should have been in our game, but 
I'd love to try another one of the scenarios to see what else they've got. Yeah, it does have narration. You can choose whether you want a male or female narrator. I will say that some of the narration is rather long. It doesn't get to Midara levels. <laughs> but it can be fairly lengthy, so be prepared for that. Sometimes we just kind of read through and skimmed the highlights. It also tells you in the first scenario, there are like 30 different endings. Sorry, there are 24 different endings. And so far, we've unlocked two of them. So there's a lot of different ways each of those scenarios can go. I want to see how far we can drive that town into the ground. That's my new goal. <laughs> Flipping through the book, I'm just going to say pretty far. There are there are <laughs> definitely some interesting pictures in later scenarios. Uh yeah, and, and like that's the great thing is like you could flip that book, but it's like ah oh, oh that's that's probably going to be horrible. I hope we don't do that. I wonder how we get there. <laughs> okay, now one question: How long is a game? Two hours. I think our learning game was like two and a half. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not too long. It, it like yeah. I said, the the individual turns go fairly quickly, and there's not a lot of them. Uh, so, okay. uh, yeah, it's not a huge all-day commitment. Yeah, okay, cool. And it's actually set up so that you can, if you need to, like, save the game between generations, you can. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's worth noting, like, a lot of the game, since you basically go through a reset in between generations, mm -hmm. you have to be very careful about, okay, what experiment am I hanging on to? What resources am I hanging on to? I'm not going to have the same amount of worker placement yeah. to put out. You need to be careful to get all your stuff done. Huh, okay. Good game. Recommend. If you want to try it sometime, Frank, let me know before you pull the trigger. Okay, cool. I do. We'll hook it up. All right. Very cool. We'll it's make that happen. Yeah, totally. All right, cool. I don't have a car. <laughs> yeah, Brian doesn't believe in cars anymore. That's true. Well, I mean, I don't believe in driving my car when all of the hazard lights are blinking bright red at me. And it's like, you're going to die if you keep driving this car. Brian, I don't know why you're using this as an excuse. You've got horses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know how far away the horses are? <laughs> no, but very far. It's fine. Take one of your horses to get there. Uh, but yet, yeah, that no car made him miss out on this next game playing. This I know. I'm so angsty. I would have brought it. I want to do it again. Well, Joe has his now. Yeah, right. So yeah, just hard. rub it in. <laughs> uh huh. You oath sworn have it. I people. do. Yes, I do that thing. Yes, yes. So our 2022 game of the year is oath sworn in. <laughs> <laughs> Published by Jamie Jolly, designed by Jamie Jolly. His name's all over it. He goes by Shadowborn Games, and this game is so good. I think we're talking maybe a Gloomhaven killer here for me. Oof, wow. Maybe a Kingdom that's, Death that's killer, high praise. too. What? Blasphemy. Well, okay, so in all fairness, maybe a Gloomhaven killer. Probably more of a Kingdom Death killer. But will it be a Frosthaven killer? We don't know. Yes. Yes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Well. Good. Heard it here, folks. I'm glad we solved that problem. <laughs> right. Nailed it. Yeah. So, Osworn Into the Deep Wood is a boss battler, and it's a big old boss battler. It is in four giant freaking boxes, if you got all of it, mostly because it comes with 60 millimeter miniatures. The people are huge. The giant trees and houses in the train box are freaking huge. And the monsters are terrifying and scary. You play basically members of a free company who are, well, the last bastions of humanity hiding in this giant wood that are slowly getting just ripped apart by all the giant beasties in. And yep, that's it. So basically on each session, you're going to wander around town or something doing a whole big chunk of story. 
at the end of that story and, you know, leveling up, doing merchant stuff, investigating, trying to find out what you're going to be fighting to get some ideas and, you know, make sure you have the proper weapons. And then you're going to go out in the woods and try to kill it, which um, is going to be rough. Mm -hmm. Basically, that part leads into one giant battle. And you're looking at maybe an hour for story, two hours for the battle in a session. Maybe a little you less. that long? <laughs> supposedly the battle is about 60 seconds, and oh my god. <laughs> so I'll talk about the battles in the game. The system, you have a deck of cards that slowly evolves over time for your character, and there are 12 characters. These are gorgeous hips, push-fit models where you can replace the armor and weapons. Actually, just the weapons. Oh yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, and it's not the Kingdom Death thing where you have to redo the miniature every time you've upgraded the armor. Just like, pull off the arms, put on the new arm. Which is why they have to be so huge. Right. I can't believe how well that works, too, because like, seeing yeah. it in person at, at Gen Con, it's not just like, oh, well, you pull off sword A and put in sword B. I mean, there's some of that, but like, they change completely the type of weapon, like the way that the weapon's being held. Like it's phenomenal. I, I was really yeah. impressed, and they they even hid the seams, so like you can't even tell if you didn't know it. A lot of these you couldn't even tell that these things come apart at all. Like they just look yeah, like a complete a model. So each character of the very different characters has their hand of seven cards, and when you play a card, you you basically get action points in this game. You have a maximum number of total action points, as well as how many you get back per turn. And you spend them to move a hex or play a card. That's kind of that. But when you play a card, it goes down this battle flow system where it takes zero to three time for it to come back to your hand so you can use it again. And when you play a card, it pushes all other cards that are already in that section on to the next section. So you adjust how your cooldown works for any of those powers by the order in which you play. And it's tricky. Yeah, that's the the one thing that worries me about the game is it looks like there's going to be a lot of juggling to try and make the cards flow correctly. In actuality, there's not as many rounds of combat as you think there are. Okay. So the first fight is against, you know, Ratty McRatface. I love that guy. <laughs> I love that. No, I hate that. Oh, man. she's. A and the first round, we're taking out two dice of her five. Um, maybe even a third. I can't remember. We were absolutely going, wow, this is going so well. It's amazing. And no, 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 it just doesn't. But there maybe was four rounds in the combat. Hmm. It's really focused in terms of how much damage comes in and goes out. And you do a lot on your turn. I love the cut your own throat attack system where it's like, hey, you can roll as many dice as you want. But if you get two blanks, oh, well, you completely miss. Yeah, totally. And there's a lot of tweaks, and most of the cards are multi-use. There are certain ways in which you can sacrifice things to do certain actions. It's all actually fairly simple and incredibly consistent. There's only three types of terrain. The rules for how things move are pretty simple. It's just that there's a lot of things going on and around. One particular thing is, you know, your big boss is a big boss. You're always fighting. And it has like five dice on it. And you have to take out each body part separately, which will weaken future attacks made by that. So if you take out the face, its bites just aren't going to do as much damage. But as soon as you take out its face, it gets pissed and does an immediate retaliation. Sure. So even during your round, it's going to try to rip you apart. I mean, I also get pissed when people take out my face. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and the combat itself is extremely visceral. It feels very fast. It's very dramatic. 
trees and terrain will just get ripped apart. All of which is, you know, supposedly this is about a 60 second fight in real time. And it feels it. It has that kind of kingdom death boss battle feel. Each enemy has its own deck and its own rules and its own things. Quite unique. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) I've only played Ratty. Since recording, the rest of the podcast crew has played through Chapter 12 of Oathsworn, and we can confirm that, yes, the different boss fights are very different, very innovative, and very exciting. Recommended. But even that was a surprise in terms of how things came out. And the decks are scaled, so as you take out more dice, you'll go to the more dangerous cards. They'll get even more cornered trapped rat. And some of those later cards are horrifying. Yeah. So yeah, it gets rougher. Well, I'm excited. Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I mean, this has been my 2022 game of the year before anyone had been able to. Play, I know. I know? still don't have my copy. It's somewhere between here and Savannah. Never heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to do. It. I mean, I love the world and the setting, and I'm really anxious to try out the game. So yeah, I've played with the app integration, and what it does for the app is there's that entire story part where you're investigating, wandering around. And so most of that is reading, which feels a bit like Madara in some ways. It's done from a narrator's point of view as opposed to individual characters, so it's more focused. But it's longer because you're completely wandering around town investigating. But unlike Madara, you do stuff in between this. So you make choices, you'll get various battle tokens that are absolutely essential to surviving your combat. And you'll find out things, have a better idea what to equip or go shopping and get stuff or try to deal with the apothecary as well as any lasting injuries from your previous battle because those kind of hang around. There is a permanent system where injuries go into your deck and have to be played on the next battle. And an apothecary where you can put actual beneficial things into that injury deck. Mm. There's a lot of clever in the game. But the app is gloriously narrated. James Cosmo of Game of Thrones fame. One of you reveals the mark on your wrist. He grimaces. Mm, free company. Uh, let me get this open. That was Sarah Jorah Mormont, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm, okay. He does have a great voice for sort of low fantasy. Oh yeah, and this is total dark Warhammer, greedy, yeah, fantasy, which is nice. But I mean, the app works. You don't actually need it, which is interesting, but yeah, it makes it easier. <laughs> Yeah, this is another one where I don't know if the app integration quite raises to the level of what we'd call app integration, but we've been so desperate to talk about this game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we want to see it and play it. And yeah, it's that good. I suspect we'll be talking about it more over time. What do you mean suspect? That's yeah, we're definitely doing that. As soon as some of us get our copies. Right. And get together (laughs) to play it and have a car again. Yeah, and the other game's one we've talked about, but we never got to talk about it after we played it, which is why we should talk about it now. Yeah. The next game on our list is Return to Dark Tower, released in 2022, published by Restoration Hardware, designed by... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? I love it. Restoration love it. Hardware? Oh, sorry, sorry. Honestly, given the amount of hardware in this game, it's entirely appropriate. <laughs> yes. Uh, Restoration Games, uh, designed by Tim Burrell Starward, Isaac Childers, Noah Cohen, Rob Davio, Justin D. Jacobson, and Brian Neff. And the entire game is dependent on a giant piece of hardware in the middle of the table, which is the tower itself, which is 
a fascinating piece of engineering. It's pretty epic. And an app which connects via Bluetooth to the tower and makes the tower do horrible things to you. Is true. Unlike some of the previous games we've talked about, like you need the app to play the game. The app handles functionally all the randomness. There's not like an option for, oh, well, hey, we have a set of cards you could use or we can use the app. No, it's just the app. The app does a bunch of stuff that would just be impossible with physical cards, right? Like the enemies will like upgrade and that means their cards will change and the enemies will like remember when you defeat them and make them less powerful. And the app is also like the event timer. It's the one that generates all the bad events every round. And some good ones. Your allies can help you with that. And some good ones. It's purely cooperative and it feels a lot like trying to keep ahead of all the bad stuff that's happening kind of game. There is actually a competitive mode. I don't think any of us have much interest in playing it, I don't think but you can do it competitive it. style. <laughs> yeah. Right. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. But the purely cooperative mode is very much kind of running ahead of the bad stuff, right? So there's bad stuff that's happening every turn. You're just trying to keep ahead of all of it. If you don't like games where you feel like you're constantly running to keep up, this might not be the game for you, but it is an excellent example of the genre. Yeah, one thing that's interesting is that it's obviously framed and themed as like a swords and sorcery adventure with dungeons and monsters and fighting, but it's fundamentally a resource management game. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, when you're fighting a monster, what it's basically going to do is, if you do this thing, you're going to need to spend this many of your warriors. You're going to need to lose this many warriors to kill it. You have a, a limited number of ways you can sort of mitigate that damage, but you may need them for something worse later. Because anytime you need to pay a cost and you can't, you get a corruption. And if anyone gets enough corruption, you lose the game. So it really is a matter of just making sure you have enough of all the things you're going to need to accomplish your goals. So it's not quite the game I was expecting it to be, but it's quite good. The amount of content in the app is also pretty surprising. Yeah. They have a bunch of bosses to fight in there and they all have their own little shtick i'm super on board with playing more of that mm -hmm. there is one expansion that was out with the original kickstarter which is interesting it adds a lot of like additional organizations you can ally with they have got a second kickstarter going on for those who have missed the first one which has a whole new couple expansions coming with it there's a lot of room for this game to grow I don't think it's going to be like one of my favorite games ever, but it's real good. And I will almost never say no to pulling it down and, and running it. The hilarious thing is like, it's one of those games that you just put it on a table and you attract players. <laughs> like You oh, don't yeah. even have to try. They're like, what is this? You're like, oh, you want to play a game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the tower itself is very impressive. This is my big imposing tower. Yeah, I mean, it's got sound, lights, rotating pieces. It throws skulls at you. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Throw, mechanically launch. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no mechanical launching. Uh, you say that. They just slide out and gravity does the work. Gravity's it. Those things bounce like nobody's business. Isaac Newton's a hell of a, <laughs> a hell of, what was the quote? Sir Isaac Newton is the deadliest son of a bitch in space. Yes. There you go. I do swear that that thing has memory because, like, there's certain times where it's like it just picks on one player in particular. It's like, you get all the skulls, you get all the skulls, you get all the skulls. Like, there are three other players, you know? Nope. <laughs> Your job is skulls. <laughs> I hate you personally. Yeah, it feels that way. <laughs>
I like the game a lot. I'm looking forward to the expansion. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for more of that game. There's a lot of it I haven't played yet, so that's fighting. That's fun too. Yeah, it is really interesting how different the different bosses can be. Oh, man. Yeah, seriously. It's like, oh, I have I have a lot of warriors. Oh, warriors aren't helping me with this at all. <laughs> yeah, and I'm surprised it's not a game that I feel really needs expansions. No, I don't think it needs it, yeah, but it, I'm going to buy them because I want them to make more games like this. Okay, good point. <laughs> Hi, this is Frank. We had a couple games show up, uh, especially on our table, since we recorded the episode last month, so I really wanted to talk about them. They are definitely app games with some really interesting flavors to them. First game is Irun, which is listed 2021, published by Arcada Studio, and this is a dungeon crawler french it was kickstarted but it kind of slid off the radar for a lot of people and basically what this is is hero quest if you know hasbro hadn't just kind of coughed up a generic reprint straight reprint of hero quest here you get a big old box full of very hero quest looking miniatures in bright colors doors that are stands plus cardstock some furniture treasures a ton of dice and some tiles, your typical dungeon crawl fare. One of the big differences here with Irun is that it's very app-centric. So there are no cards for treasures, loot, or finding out how you do loot. Instead, you rely on the app to tell you all that. So if you search a treasure chest, the app will tell you exactly what you got. This will include items you buy from the merchants you have to write down on your character sheet like old-school D&D. Same thing, uh, this allows them to have a lot of like rare items or items you can only buy from one merchant. You can only find if you kill this one boss in this one adventure. And that gives you a lot of variability in terms of loot. And the game is really free at giving out loot. On a typical two-hour adventure, we'll end up with a couple dozen different items found between the adventure and offered for purchase often dragging back enough that we can sell and maybe get a decent item. The game itself uses also voice recognition. So in the case of iOS, it uses the Apple dev kits for Siri, as well as spoken mechanical voices. This part's a little weird, as the voice recognition is not always perfect, especially with my voice, but also really reads all the text with a very mechanical, computer-synthesized voice, except for very specific cutscene dialogue, essentially, that's suddenly fully voiced by some very European actors with strong accents, which is kind of awesome in its own way, but comes off as being just a bit clunky and not entirely professionally voice acted. Still, it's a great game. It's very like HeroQuest. There are few cards in the game are like 25 skills that you gradually get as you level up from levels 1 through 30 if you have the deluxe edition. So there are constant level ups over the level, a ton of loot, and writing a lot of stuff down. And still fairly tactically interesting, but also moderately simple. Like I said, it feels like HeroQuest, kind of the next generation, and driven by a very unusual voice-controlled app. That app, by the way, when you use it, you'll say things like, the barbarian inspects the chest, and then I'll tell you exactly what happens. Or the barbarian opens the steel door. It knows which door is steel by the text it's giving you, and will then describe how to set up the next room. Or if you encounter an NPC, the guardian talks to the merchant. Yeah, sure, there are merchants. 
But that's it. Kind of a very app-driven, very, very odd take on how to control this. The same company is doing Spark 3000, which looks like they're doing their next iteration of voice-controlled apps. And that one appears to be kind of an FTL-like game. So just looking for Arcada Studios' next thing. The other game that's come to our table is obscure, although it's easy enough to find on Amazon, except that it ships from the UK. This is Nightmare Horror Adventures Welcome to Crafton Mansion. List is 2021, designed by Team Identity and published by Identity Games International, with a credit to Ideal and John Adams Games, which appears to be, I guess, probably the owner of the current Ideal trademark. This is a it's just one-shot escape room game, ultimately. It takes you about two hours. You play it once. But this one is very different. It also is how to describe it. So ultimately, it feels a bit like Betrayal. You have a mansion. You represent the five siblings of a family that was all murdered one night 15 years ago. And you're going back to the scene of your parents' demise to find out what really happened. So the play is a little more like detective and those murder mystery games where you're exploring, looking at stuff. You've got a limited amount of time and you have to put together the clues. Not really escape puzzles here, but it's all clues and things and just trying to basically search rooms and search quarters of rooms. The way it deals with its app is quite odd. There is a website. And you go to the website, and the app itself paces the game. So all you really tell it is that you take an action. The app will then either just advance the whatever internal game clock, which is shown by a clock on the screen. You don't know when it ends or anything. But it also will then introduce new rules or tell you to do things based on that time clock, time track. So it keeps you very in the dark about what's going to happen next. The way rules come into the game is pretty simple. There are three decks of cards representing flashbacks, representing the results of search from various rooms and places in the rooms, as well as just events. And some of the detail will be on the events, some will be in the app, but the entire game rules at a core fits on a three by five card. In fact, when you sit down, there is a card to tell you how to lay everything out. You know nothing about the rules. You start the app and go. Don't even know how to make your first move. It then presents you with that rule card. The app tells you to draw your rule card now and gives you your three basic actions, which are move to a room, explore a spot in a room, or go back somewhere, which are all really simple. The game is unusual. Anything else I say will be spoilers. It has a really, really strong horror movie feel and feels like a modern horror movie in a way that no game I've ever played does. It's clever. It just twists with the genre. It does some silly things. It's very much a party kind of game vibe. The game does come with blindfolds, which you're required to put on at certain times. It's not going to do anything really, really creepy, but kind of necessary for some of the game to work. And that's it. You know, three rules on one card, blindfolds, and kind of a betrayal exploring a house to find out what the secret spooky mystery is. And a lot of fun. You can get that on Amazon. That's a little late, obviously, for your Halloween, but maybe for next Halloween or just a general horror night.
All right. And I think that is our list. Wow. I think it's probably worth bringing up that, like, there are a bunch of games recently who have an audio component. Like, Assassin's Creed Venice has all of the text in the game available online that you can, like, listen to while you're playing. Listen, it does. Madara has the same thing. You mean Madara the audiobook? Yeah, Madari the audiobook has the same thing. <laughs> Detective City of Angels has the same thing, and those are actually really good. Those audio tracks are, are very gritty and, and appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, we pulled up the Assassin's Creed one, and it was very clearly just read by one of the yeah. game's creators. The new Chronicles of Drunagor is getting Foreteller stuff. There is an entire app called Foreteller. And basically, it's an audio production company. They're doing radio play style narration yeah. for a bunch of games. They're doing Gloomhaven and Frosthaven. Ooh. As well as Chronicles okay. of Drunagor. The stuff they do is really nice, and their samples are great. We'll have to put that into the show note. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we'll put a link there. The one thing that worries me a little bit about games that just have that audio inclement is that my audio in games, I need it to be short and to the point. Yeah. I mean, I'm not here to listen to an audiobook or a radio play. I want to play the game, and I don't want to sit here for three minutes listening to the audio before I get to take my next turn. So I love that there's good audio. That's why, I like, the Forgotten Water stuff is a real good example, because it's well-produced, it's well-acted, it's funny, but it gets to the point and is done. Yeah. It's interesting. They have a Detective City of Angels one. I'd be interested to hear what that one is, because Detective City of Angels... For those who haven't played it, at a high level, it's either a competitive or a cooperative kind of clue-type game. Mm-hmm. The only audio is at the start when it kind of sets up the setting for the mystery you're looking into. And they're all written very in the milieu of the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think doing you could, you could really lean into that really hard. Francis Trask, one of West L.A.'s finest, and by finest, I mean bottom of the damn barrel, was on bank duty. So I think we'll only see more of that in the future, and hopefully people will learn how to strike the balance. Yeah. I might have to get this for uh, Detective. Yeah, there is a game coming that I'm looking really forward to called Paracle Gathering Darkness. Okay. This is kind of descended from the old fantasy trip TriStat system games. Oh. Huh. And basically what they're doing is a full app-driven tabletop RPG including monster AI and everything in description with battle maps, acrylic standees for all the characters and a giant, giant sprawl of game, Hmm. but they're doing it in the right way. Again, it's a kind of a more of a full RPG with the branching stuff. They're doing a web-based app for the narration DM basically. Sounds interesting. Yeah. That stuff worries me a little. If the narration is all done out there, because it feels like it does limit the amount of versatility you have to adapt to things, but who knows? Maybe there are a bunch of slightly different tracks as different things happen. Yeah, true. I'm interested in seeing how it goes. Yeah. I suspect it's going to be a pretty, uh, they claim that the storylines branch. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let us relish the app enabled stuff that we have seen so far and look to the future for more excitement. If there's anything that you, dear listeners, think we've overlooked or want to hear us talk about in the future, let us know. And if nothing else, we'll be back to talk to you again next month. Everybody stay safe out there. Bye-bye. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of The Ascent of Board Games, which is protected by the Creative Commons license. 
Opening and closing music is Evening Melodrama by Kevin MacLeod via Incompetech.com. Full details can be found at AscentOfBoardGames.com. Please share, like, subscribe, review, and comment on this podcast. And thank you for listening. someone's day somewhere and sometime that is why you check your damn targets that is why you wait for the computer to give you a damn firing solution that is why servicemen chung we do not eyeball it <laughs>